Let us pray. Oh Lord, we come to you and we bow before you as our Lord and our God. And as I almost say every single Sunday, we are reminded of who you are. If we look at the sky, we look at the, the nature around us. We're reminded if we look up to know how small we are and how big you are. We are reminded that you are the one that created the sun and the moon and the planets and everything around us. We are reminded if we look at trees and flowers, we look at storms, to be reminded that you are a God that controls it all, that owns it all. And again, again, we try to make you a small God. We try to make you a God that we can determine what you want, who you are, and where you want to be. But we come to you today and we bow before the one that we know is the only holy living God who created all and gave us life. We bow before you because of your grace, your kindness, and your love, and for what you do give. And we receive so much from you that we do not deserve. We thank you, O Lord, today that we can have a celebration and that it's possible to baptize this little boy that so many people have prayed for. We thank you, Lord, that you heard our prayers, that we can have this day today. But Lord, as I need to share also what you teach us from Scripture on how to understand what it all means, I ask that you will use my words through your Spirit to help us grow in our understanding and in our love and commitment to you. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. A contract. All of us have either seen one of these or have signed one of these. You buy a car, they come with a stack of documents that is as high as your car is when you are done that you need to sign. You buy a house, they come with a stack of documents, you need to sign all of these things. You want to get something expensive done to your house, then there's a contract and you need to sign the contract and then it goes off somewhere into a place. You want to get married? <laughs> Sometimes contract. That needs to happen before this whole marriage thing can take place. And normally a contract takes place when two people have talked about the different terms. So sometimes there's some negotiation taking place, what price is concerned and what services will be rendered. Uh, and there's some wrestling a little bit on, you know, how, let's get this thing now to work out for us. And then you sign it. And then it's a binding legal contract. And then when you break it, that's when it starts to get really interesting. That's when you start to call this Morgan, Morgan guy or that other guy. Oh, no, he only wants to get, he likes car crashes. That's not the guy you need to call. No, not, not, not that one. But normally when you break the contract, they know it's lawyers, it's court cases and all kinds of rubbish that you need to go through to get this kind of resolved. Today, for some reason, I'm going to talk about baptism a little bit. I'm going to talk about the sacraments that we have in Reformed Church that we believe are biblical things that I need to share then with you just in a moment. We have in the Reformed tradition only two sacraments, not like in the Roman Catholic Church that has seven, we only have two, and you guys know this well. The Lord's Supper, and there on the table you have the symbols of this, there's some bread in that plate, and there's some wine actually in that cup. Every Sunday we have bread and wine on this table. Because that reminds us of what the Lord did for us when His body got broken for us, that we may be healed. So the bread symbolizes His body and the wine symbolizes the blood of Christ. 
that was shed for us. Baptism is a little bit different. It, I think if I would ask you privately, if you ask you before you came to this church today, so, so what does your baptism mean for you? I think you'll struggle to answer that question. I think you'll have a little bit of a problem to tell me, Ferdy, this is what my baptism means to you because most people don't fully understand it. You see, most of us, and I think most of us sitting in this church or watching online, have been baptized. But you and I were baptized when we were this big. That big. Maybe that big. But we were babies. And I, I know I was baptized. My parents told me, but I have no clue what happened that day when whatever pastor, I can't even remember his name, baptized me. So what does this whole baptized thing really then mean? It's something that happens in the past or long ago. Maybe something between my parents and the church and God. I don't know really what happened there, a lot of people would say to me. And it was one of those things that had to be done. You know, you take your child for an inoculation or a vaccine against all of these children's diseases, and then you have your child baptized, and maybe that will be a vaccine to go into hell, you know, to, to keep your child sort of out of, you know, the bad place. It's one of the things that needs to be done, it seems to me, for a number of people. And then you talk to people that come from a different tradition. The guys around the corner there with the big church on that side. The Roman Catholics. They would tell you, well, baptism is extremely important to us because if you are not baptized, you cannot be saved. And therefore, many times they would have an ordained priest in the delivery ward of a hospital. So if it looks as if a child is not going to make it, they would, and it's a Roman Catholic baby, they would quickly baptize the child to make sure that this child has what he or she needs to be sort of safe. Then you drive up the street in that direction towards uh, Windermere, uh, and you have a different church. And they say, you guys with your baby baptism, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this baby thing? He has no clue what's happening with him today. No, you need to wait until your child believes or when somebody believes, then you're baptized. It's, it's interesting that yesterday, a friend of mine sent me a picture of a friend of his that was baptized in Lake Butler yesterday morning. And I thought to myself, they should have listened to today's sermon first, but that's okay, we'll get there. <laughs> so if anybody wants to talk to you about the baptism, there's but one word you and I always need to remember. One word that explains the whole thing about baptism, and that's why I'm wearing my, my really robe today because it's re very Reformed theology today. You don't always see me in my robe, but today, Reformed theology. There's but one word that you guys need to remember, and that's the word, the covenant. The covenant. I will establish my covenant to be God to you and the offspring after you. So to understand baptism, to understand what it means for you and me to be baptized. Because I'm not only preaching about the little Eli that's going to be baptized, I'm talking to you guys, because you and I are baptized. And it needs to have some meaning to us. We need to understand what all of this then means. And let's start with then Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make, you, make my covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be an ancestor of multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, 
for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land where you are now an alien, all the land of Canaan, for a perpetual holding, and I will be their God. God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, after you, after you, throughout all their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every man among you, male among you, shall be circumcised. An act of God. You can never start any conversation about the covenant or baptism without starting here. We need to always start with our brokenness that most people don't agree or always want to hear about. They always believe they're so cool, you know, and there's nothing wrong with me, I'm just fine. You are not. What the Bible teaches me and teaches you is that we are broken people because we are sinful people. Brokenness in biblical terms means that we are trying to live life without God. We are trying to make our life work out without allowing God to be God. That's what it means. And because we have removed God from everything we are doing, we have broken in a sense the great things God has given us. God wanted us to be in a great relationship with Him, with other people, with nature, and with ourselves. But that all got confused and got broken and got messed up because we turned away from God. And if you remove God, everything else starts to fall apart. Can't do it on your own. We tried. It didn't work that well. But then God comes and He steps into our world and He says, I will come towards you. I will step towards you. And, and it's not that God is coming to check us out. It's not that God is coming by to see if we are doing okay and He says, okay, bye, and there He goes again. God steps into our world as a committed God. A few times in my life, I got involved in things that I said to myself, what did I do? I was driving home. There's a car next to the road, close to my house. It's raining. It's pouring. There's a lady standing next to a car in the rain. I just, I can't leave this woman. I stop. I can see she's got a flat. I stop, sort of get her underneath the bridge. I said, can I help you? Yeah, I can't get home. Can you help me? I said, I can help you. No jack, no tire wheel, no, no, no thing that I can loosen any nut. I said, okay, okay, I'll try to get your house to my, your car to my house that's not far away. We struggled in the rain to get our house, our car there. Then I discovered, oh no, it's not only the tire. At some point we said, when are we going to eat? I said, I'm not sure if we're going to eat this week. Because I got involved in something that takes way more commitment than only sort of pointing away or making a call. God the same. You, you see, after we broke everything, he got involved in our lives, and God could have said, okay, I'll make a call with respect, but I'm done with you guys. I don't have time for you. I've got a universe to organize and to manage. I don't have time for your nonsense. But he stepped into our world with a commitment and said, I will stick with you guys. That's part of the story of the covenant. Then there's also the other side where God says, but without me, there's no other way for you. Forward. 
That is the problem that most people do not know. We are trying to replace God with a lot of things and think that can bring the answer. But God says, there is no one else. There is nothing else that can be the solution. It only, only can be me. And because God stepped into our world, because God is committed as He steps into our world, and because there is no way out for us, God says, okay, okay, I understand that you do not understand this. So let's make a contract. Let's, let, let me build up a contract. Like any other contract they made during those times, I'm not going to preach about all the things that happened with the fires that went through the pieces of, of, of uh, a bull that they cut up, and that's a cool story, but not for today. He said, let's make a contract. But as you look at this contract, you find out, but this is a strange-looking contract because it's completely unilateral. When I read that section in, in, in Genesis chapter 17 that you hear God says, this is my contract, my covenant, my covenant, my covenant, my covenant. It's not a negotiable thing. This, this is God making an agreement from His side with us. He's not coming to negotiate because we can't. I have nothing to offer. I have zero that I can bring into this equation. There's nothing I can bring and say, God, you know, I, let, let's do a bargaining thing here. God says, you've got nothing you can bring, so I bring it all. That's why my second sentence is it's a very one-sided terms that you'll find here. Because in the one-sided terms, God says, who he is? Who he is? What he, what he is as God for us, because he said, I'll be your God. And that meant that the totality of God and who he is, his person, his character, is added into this deal that he's bringing to you and to me. But it's also a lopsided contribution, because in the first eight verses of this whole thing, God says all the things that he will do. He says to Abram, I will be your God. I'll give you an offspring. I'll give you a country. I'll give you a Savior one day. I'll give you all of these things that you need for life and for living. I ask of you one thing. Allow me to be your God. Be my child. And I've told this story before. It's like parents looking for a child that walked away from them, and eventually they find, find this child and then they knock on the door, and the child says, go away, and eventually they knock again, and then the child opens the door, and the dad and mom stands there before him or her, and then they kneel, and they say, all we ask of you is allow us to be your parent. They are the parents of this child. It's not that they need to prove that, but this child lives as if they are not their parents anymore. And if you live as if those people are not your parents anymore, they can't help you, they can't give you, they can't guide you. God says, all I ask of you is, I'm knocking at the door, allow me to be the God that I am, because I'm God. That's all I ask. And then it's an unbreakable covenant or contract. If you go and look at Jeremiah chapter 2 and 3 and Hosea, Hosea and you page through the Bible, you'll find countless of times where the people actually broke everything that God asked of them. God said, allow me to be your God, and then they chose different gods. God said, just be different, and they were not different than anyone else. And time and time again, humans did the opposite what God asked of them, and God constantly said, you will not break my covenant with you. Do you hear this? That God says, 
I am committed to what I promised. I, you will not stop me from doing my work. You will not prevent me from building my kingdom. You will not be able to shut me up and put me in the corner because I am God. I will keep my side of this contract to move forward with you and with my people. Then the sign and the seal. The Lord said to Abram, this is what I offer. This is what I offer. But I want you to, to bring a mark on your own body and on every single male that is born after you. Circumcision. A mark that will be a reminder on a daily basis because it's impossible not to see yourself on a daily basis. A mark that reminds you on a daily basis there's a God out there that made a covenant with you. Irrelevant how cool or great or how fine you are. This God is committed to His involvement in your life. A sign to remind you daily of who you are. You are actually someone that is called by God to just be different. To act and to live like a child of God as if you know who this God is. To act like someone that's now in a new relationship because it's the same as getting married. When you get married, you actually get a sign and a seal. I've got this thing on my finger. And the moment when I got this ring on my finger, I was different. No, I had to be different. I had to make choices that fits within the fact that I'm now in a covenant, in a contractual agreement with this woman now in my life. God says, all I ask of you is to know that I want to be in this relationship with you, and all I ask of you is to live like someone that has a God. That's all I ask. Then he came to Abram, and he said, I'm going to give you a new name. You're not going to be Abram anymore, but Abraham, the father of many nations. That's what it means in Hebrew. But why did it happen here? Because God wanted Abram to know that he has now a new identity in the word Abraham. You see, the moment when I accepts that God has made an agreement with me. I'm not really part of it. I've got a new identity. Child of God. Child of God. But they circumcised little ones. And in Deuteronomy, the Lord comes and he, and he says to the people, you need to talk to your children when they are very young. When you are on the road, when you are at home, when you are eating, when you are going to bed, when you wake up in the morning, when you are working in the field, you need to talk to your children. About what? The newest show on Netflix? The newest thing on TikTok? You need to talk to your children about who God is and that you are circumcised or then in our terms baptized. To remind your child of the fact that there is a God that's watching over you and wants to be a part of your life. And that is where the responsibility for for us as parents lie, that we actually then need to take this forward because this is what God asks of us. And my response? There's still something that I need to respond to, and I've got just one more slide and I'm done. Just but one thing I need to respond to, and that's what the Bible calls to circumcise your heart. You'll find all through the Old Testament. And that actually means to say that I'm going to understand, look at this contract and understand it's actually something that God gives me and that I need to respond to. 
And how do I respond to this contract? I respond to this contract through accepting it. Just saying, you're my Lord and you're God, and I, I appreciate the fact that you have come towards me. Final slide. Now we are in the New Testament. Now the Lord comes and He replaces some of the things that we have in the Old Testament with new things. In the Old Testament, circumcision was part of the sign and the seal with God's people of old, of Israel, because Israel was chosen not to go to heaven. They were chosen to be God's vehicle to proclaim and proclaim God's kingdom upon this world that God could reveal himself to this world through his actions through them. Now in the New Testament, God comes to the followers of Jesus. He says, if you are the followers of my son, then you are my new people. And through you, I would like to show the world that I am God. But for you guys, a new sign and seal because blood never needs to flow again. For anything relation, relationship, in relationship to me. My son's blood is enough. Now baptism. Baptism, that's actually part of a covenant, a deal, same deal as with Abraham, just different in the sense for who it's given to. It's given to the followers of Jesus. Now God stepping forward. I've never seen anybody baptize him or herself. I can't go to this baptismal fund. Sorry, the cameras are now confused. I can't go to this baptismal font and say, Ferdy, I baptize you now. It, it looks stupid, doesn't it? Nobody can baptize him or herself. Why? Why is there always someone else that needs to do the baptism? Because it's representing the act of God. It is God doing this. I can't do it for myself. So the day when you were baptized and that water was placed on your head, the pastor, the church, that were, they were representing the hand of God touching you and me and saying, I'm making a deal with you. I want to be your God. Here is my outstretched hand. I want to be your father. And I will do everything in my power that you may get to know me through the stories that the church will tell you and the parents will tell you and what you see in nature around you and what you realized in the Bible that I am the God of your life and I want to be your dad. If you are ever concerned about anything, if, if you are worried about if it's true, just look at my son. Jesus Christ came as the proof that this covenant from God's side is unbreakable. Because Christ came to fulfill our side of the covenant. Christ came from His side to do our side that the covenant can be completed. What is asked of us? To think about my baptism daily, and I do this. Maybe because I need to talk about this a lot and preach about it. But many times when I go through life and I struggle with life and certain things, I say to the Lord, I'm baptized. Luther, the first reformer that we, that we have, he was struggling at some point, And he carved out on the wood of his, of his table where he was working, I am baptized. And nobody could raise it. He carved it out with his knife. I am baptized because he was attacked from the church, Satan, his friends, everybody for what he was doing for God's kingdom. He said, I'm baptized. I will not stop to do what God has called me to do because he made a covenant that was fulfilled in Christ. 
that gives you hope, gives me hope, makes me walk tall in this world because this world will try to push me over and I say, you try your best, I'm baptized, man. Can't touch me. Can't touch me. I'm owned by the only holy living God. Good luck to you. Even if they cut you off in the I-4. You know, I am baptized. You can't do this to me. I'm just <laughs> But it makes you walk tall. Gives you confidence. If the world starts to fall around you and you don't see the out, it looks dark, remind yourself, I'm, I'm baptized. I'm baptized. Not because of who I am. Because of who God is. Remember this every day. Two sacraments we have. Communion, baptism. Why do we baptize babies? Ah, the covenant. Amen. Amen. 